All right. Last week, we went through uh, 23, 1 to 14, 1 to 13, actually. And, um, but the Lord prompted my heart to read uh, out of Psalms, book of Psalms. I had it right here. Here it is. Psalms chapter 3. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will flow, overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights. Amen. And the Lord prompted prompt my heart while I was sitting there and worshiping the Lord. And it's so awesome when he speaks to you. And I know not only myself, but to you men as well. Because his word is powerful. And um, so let's begin in our study tonight in Exodus chapter 23. We'll start in verse 14. Well, actually, I want to I want to start at the ending where Brother um, Adrian uh, left off. Andre. See, I've been a while. I've been away for a little while. I forgot his name. <laughs> there you go. And he basically from one to thirteen, he was talking about the spirit and the flesh. You know how the battle is with, with within ourselves, and how we be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit as He guides us and leads us into all truth. And when we're out of line with God, the Holy Spirit convicts us and He brings us back to track, you see. And so here in verse 13, uh, it ended. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of, the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Nor let it be heard made, uh, from your mouth. This, this was the ending of chapter 13. Now we're coming into the three annual feasts in chapter, in verse 14. Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. Verse 15. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you. At the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear, appear before me empty. In the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors which you have sown in the field. And in the feast of ingathering, at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the first, the fruit of your labors from the field. So, 14 through 16, God commanded that three times a year, all men in Israel come together for these, for these uh, feasts. These men, he called all men. And they weren't to come empty-handed. And... As I was reading this, it spoke to me because men, the men 
God calls to be the priest of their home. And we set the example as men. Our kids look to us as men, as fathers. And they see us as their examples of how a godly man is supposed to live. And how obedient he's supposed to be unto God. And here was a learning, teaching them. They were commanding them to keep these, these feasts. And he called all the men. And the Passover, unleavened for these feasts, bread, first fruits, and gathering, Pentecost, feast of unleavened bread, feast of harvest, feast of a gathering. The feasts were commanded by God to be kept. Unleavened bread, bread baked from unfermented dough or dough without yeast or leaven. And we know that they had left Egypt in such a haste. They had no time to bake their, their bread. The Feast of Weeks, also called Pentecost, which took place 50 days, um, seven weeks after Passover. These were to be kept three times a year, April, June, and October. So the Passover was a shadow or type of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God at the cross, which was going to take place years after after the Exodus. In 1 Corinthians 5-7, it reads, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Feast of unleavened bread. These men will travel to the sanctuary in Jerusalem and require of all men to present themselves before the Lord. Here in Exodus 23, 14 through 17. Exodus 34, 22, and Deuteronomy 16, is, uh, verse 16. The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Exodus 13, 6, verses 6 through 10. All leavened bread removed and replaced by unleavened bread. And John 6, 32. Jesus, then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 40, 48 of that same uh, chapter. I am the bread of life. Now as Christians today, we come together once a month for communion. We come together as a body to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me at the cross. Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is what we do every once a month. We come here and we, on a Thursday night, once a month, and we put everything aside and we come back and we do this to remember what God, what Jesus did for us on the cross, the Passover, the Lamb. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And this is what we see here where God delivered them, the Exodus, the Israelites, and then wandering in the desert because they were disobedient. 
And God wants obedience from us. As we continue, we'll, we'll get more into that. And so, in 1 Corinthians 5, 8, putting away sin, leavened bread, and become, become, becoming unleavened bread by accepting Jesus Christ. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. If you want to turn there, we'll read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. You there? I'm not. All right. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning died. For since by man, since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, and even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are in Christ at his coming. And this is what we're looking for, his coming. And like Sherry was saying, Maranatha. Come, Lord, come. And so, let's continue. Matthew 27, 50. It says, it reads, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil was ripped. It was torn in two, it says, from top to bottom. Not with hands, but God ripping it top to bottom. To, from the top to the bottom, he ripped that veil as he gave up his spirit. And to me, this was signifying that now that all humanity now has access to the Father through his Son. Jesus becoming our high priest. We no longer need a priest who was a sinner and had to go through the rituals. Jesus became our, our high priest and he sits at the right hand of God. And, um, and not only that, but the earthquake, the rocks were split, and even the resurrection, the people that were dead, they came and walked around. It was uh, amazing. Amazing. I think that's where they get the, the Walking Dead movies from. So, First Timothy two five says, "For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator, and that is Christ Jesus." The feast of the harvest in Exodus twenty three sixteen, and in Acts twenty one, a festival that celebrated the first fruits of wheat harvest where the Jews were to offer their first fruits of their labor from the field. And we can read that in Acts 2. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not by some coincidence that God poured out His Spirit on His disciples on this day, the 50th day. It was God's perfect timing. God we know is all-knowing, and all this was coming to fulfill what we're going, what we're reading through here, and we're in training, and here it was, God working through the covenant promise to form a people for Himself, the nation of Israel. Now here in Acts, 
chapter 2, God was going to bring Jews and Gentiles as one body together in Christ. The mystery that Peter talks about, I mean, Paul talks about. The mystery. It's not a mystery no more. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 and 7. Paul writes, How that by revelation he may known to him the mystery. Verse 4. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5 which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And we see that through the books of Acts, how God used him, and how Paul, how Paul was a Judaizer, he was, he was well informed with the Old Testament. And if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see how it comes together. How it comes together. And as I was reading and, and going through the Old Testament, I was coming through scriptures that Paul was writing in the New Testament. And it was just like, wow. And, and like someone had said, they go together like Twinkies. I don't know who he is, but I heard that one time or a couple of times or a few times. <laughs> They go together like Twinkies. You might know them. <laughs> uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. John, I know you know this. There is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Acts 2, 9 through 11 God turned this confusion of tongues into a miracle of speech. A miracle of speech, the dialects. They, they understood each other's language. In the same chapter, verse 41, Peter's first sermon, it says about 3,000 souls were added to them. When these men went their way, when they went back, these men, they were devout men, the scriptures tells us. And, and uh, matter of fact, let's turn there. Let's read that. Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. They were devout men, it says. Acts chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. Let's read. It says, Parthenians and Medes and Ammonites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and Perigaia. How do you say that? Pronounce that name? Periga. Yeah, you got it. And Paphilia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining uh, Syrian, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed, preplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of wine. But in verse 5 it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Under heaven. Every nation were there. They would come to this feast. And so when these men left, they left, they took the gospel with them. And so the gospel was going. It was going forth as the promises of God said that it would go to all the nations. 
But it, was, it took place in that day, the 50th day in Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And like I said, when Peter's first sermon, about 3,000 souls were saved. The power of the Holy Spirit given for service. So amazing. But then if you look back, and we went through the book of Genesis, go through the book of Genesis, we were at Red, where Babel, remember when God confused them? Their languages? So they couldn't understand each other? Then he scattered them. Boom. And every nation went abroad. And here we see, now God, using the Holy Spirit, he said, let's go down there. See? And now the Holy Spirit upon them, and they're speaking in, in tongues, dialects, and they're able to understand each other. And so, verse 17, back to our study, Exodus 23, verse 17. Three times in a year, all you males shall appear before the Lord God. In Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 through 17. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which He, God, chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before me empty-handed. That was a command. They were to bring offerings. They were to bring their first fruits wherever God appointed it, where He chose, where God chose. Every man shall, shall give as he is able. Verse 17 of the Deuteronomy, that same chapter, 16. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessings of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So the, how the Lord uh, not only gave the abundance, whatever it was, they were to give back to the Lord. Um, and he didn't put amount on it. You know, it was up to the individual out of, out of his heart to give. God knows what he gave each and every one of us. What he gives us and what we do with it. Ephesians 4.28. This, this verse here, when I, when I first started reading the Bible... God spoke to me big time. And these letters, they still remain. And I'm reminded of what God brought me out from. He says, verse, chapter 4, verse 28 of Ephesians, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him. Who has need. And this hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I was a thief. And when he spoke to me. I knew. That I was going to. Work with these hands. The rest of my life. Until he took me home. And it's something that. I'm blessed by. I get up in the morning. I go to work. And I thank the Lord I have a place. I thank Him for the roof over my head. Everything I have comes from the Lord. And I make sure that I thank Him. My job, I've been without jobs. But it's a learning. It's a growth. 
that we learn from, that we grow from. We're growing. We're learning. And we're going to continue to grow and learn until the Lord takes us home. He's going to teach us little by little. Every, but sometimes we want it right away. God is patient. We need to be patient and wait upon the Lord as we sang that song. Or are we just singing? Verse 18 of Exodus 23. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. Since leaven was a symbol of sin and corruption, atoning blood could never be offered with leavened bread. They don't go together. If, a, if atonement was to be regarded as a complete work, it was to be totally offered to the Lord. Everything was given to God. Nothing was to be saved for later, including the fat. The best portion of the sacrificed animal. The Israelites were not to kill the Passover lamb while leaven was still in the house. They had to clean their house. Just like we got to clean our house. We fall short of God's glory every day, man. But a righteous man gets up seven times seven. He dusts the feet off his knees and he gets right back and he keeps pressing forward. And I see so many people get tore up from the lie of the devil. Because the devil will lie to you and say, you can't come back to God now, you blew it. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. And I see many men destroyed because lack of knowledge. They're not getting taught the word of God. They're not applying it, what they're hearing in their lives. You become weak, stagnant. And the enemy will come and sweep you like wheat. As Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to sweep you like wheat, Peter. And that's what he wants to do to each and every one of us. But we've got to be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Verse 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You should not bail a young goat, boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Wow. It's tradition. This is going back to the heathens boiling a goat because this is the things that they would do. They would use these rituals and and thinking that because you have to remember that here you're dealing with with uh barley and this other stuff they were planting uh agriculture wise and these people these heathens they would go to other small gods right and they would would come up with magical things and they would put the sprinkle stuff on the ground and, you know, so it can grow, right? But here, before I get any further, 
in verse uh, 19. God, giving God the first and the best honored him. God being the provider of all things. In John, the Gospel of John, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. God the provider. Where God guides, he provides. And that's, and that's all you can tell if God is in it. Because he's going to provide, he's going to provide every need. And you're going to know if it's from God or if it's from yourself or man. Very easy. When you're walking in the spirit, you can see God reveals things to you. You're not been looking it for for it sometimes, and God speaks to you and shows you. But that's learning for me. I don't say nothing, but it's learning for me, not to do the things, because we could easily do the same thing. And this is what God is doing. He's teaching these people. He's giving them. Uh, commandments. He's giving them laws how to live a godly life. How to live in a community with a lot of people. Because these people, the Jewish people are going to grow and they're going to grow fast in a land that a bunch of enemies. And so God was preparing them and reminding them Stay away from these other gods. Stay away from them. And he reminds us too. Because gods come in many forms. Many shapes. Are you spending time with the true and living God? Or is getting sidetracked? Being too busy? I say... The acronym of busy is being under Satan's yoke because that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to keep you busy so you don't have no time to study. You have no time to read. You don't have time for nobody but yourself. And this life is short, gentlemen. It's going to go, it goes by fast. But God wants us to enjoy this time with one another, but with him in the center. Verse 20 and 21. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Verse 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him. For he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. People call it uh, Christophany. I call it Jesus because that's who it is. Jesus Christ. And here they call him an angel, an angel is a messenger. 
what it means. He's a messenger. He was going to keep them in the way they should go. This angel, Jesus, commanded obedience, which set him apart from the other angels, Michael and Gabriel. This angel was not a created angel, but the second person of the Trinity. And the Lord said, and his name is in and Yahweh, is in Jesus. My name is in him, Yahweh, and in Jesus, Yeshua, or Joshua. The Lord's name. And they were to obey him. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Provoke him. And how are they going to provoke him? By being disobedient. Worshipping other gods. Because we serve a jealous God. Did God know this? Yeah, he knows. In Exodus 3, chapter 3, verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. It appeared to Moses in a flame of fire, in a mist, in the midst of a bush. And then Daniel, chapter 3, verse 22 to 25, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember them? Look, he look, 3.25 of Daniel. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus was there with them in the fire, in the flames. Jesus will be there with you and I when we go through our trials. He's there. In Hebrews twelve twenty nine, it reads, For our God is a consuming fire. And everybody knows Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus. Jesus told him, Nicodemus, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Wow. What were you teaching the people? And he had to take Nicodemus back to the wilderness. He goes, well, I'm gonna t let's go back to the wilderness. Exodus. Maybe you remember then. They talked about me through the scriptures, the prophets. His mind was somewhere else. His eyes were on something else. But how about the evangelist, Philip? He was waiting. Is this the Messiah? He was waiting for the Messiah. They knew. It's sad. Many, many, many people aren't looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the Antichrist. 
That's where the hearts are at. People are lost. They've given up. But we have this hope. A glorious hope. The promises. The Lord was going to. Going to take them to a place which God had prepared. The promises are for us as well. John 14 verses 2 and 3. Jesus says. Well, actually, in 14, verse 1, he said, Let not there be trouble. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. He said, I'll go away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I will receive you to myself. Wow. Those are the promises that we have. Verse 21 of Exodus. Chapter 23. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. The warning to obey his voice. God knew they weren't going to obey. This is why we have these, these, his words learned by. In Psalms 78, verse 40, how often, it reads, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, yes, again and again, they tempted God. They, were, they tested God. They tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42, they limited him. That's what it does. That's what our sin does. That's what, when we grieve God, that's what it does. It limits him. It limits him from doing a work in our lives. That's what it does. The Holy One of Israel, verse 42, they did not remember His power. How quickly we can forget how God deliver, delivered us from and how we, what He blessed us with. When we're not reading the Word, studying God's Word, fellowshipping, you start to look back to the world, murmuring, complain, instead of praising God, serving God, worshiping God, crying out to God, who we grieved, and can limit God, can limit the blessings which He wants to bless us with, for our disobedience, rather than being obedient, Listening to his voice. Verse 22. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Here God doesn't ask for sacrifice or sacrifice, but obedience. He wants a, he wants. To obey, he wants us to obey his voice and do all the, that he speaks. If the children of Israel obeyed, they would be blessed. If they disobeyed, they would be cursed. Deuteronomy 30, chapter 30, verse 7. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3. I'm going to read that, Ephesians 1, 3. 
Good order down there. Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual, spiritual blessing. Verse 24. Wait a minute. Verse 23. I'm sorry. Verse 23. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Pizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. God is warning them again not to bow down. It says right here in verse 24, You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. There's, there it is, there's the command. God is warning them again not to bow down to their gods, nor serve them. They were ordered to tear down, completely break down the sacred pillars. Numbers 33, verse 52, it reads, Then you shall drive out all the habitats of the land from before you, Canaan. Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. When Jesus, so when they crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, they were to do this and dwell in the land which the Lord had given them. That was a command from God when they, when they crossed over the Jordan into, into the, the land of Canaan. They were to demolish it, destroy it, utterly destroy it. God told them. Verse uh, 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Verse 26. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. And so, God's promise to bless the people with food, rain, brutality, and long life, if they would only obey and worship Him. You see? And same for us, same for us as well. He will bless your bread, your your food and your water. These two were the, you could live off bread and water. The source. And I will take their sicknesses away in the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. See that? He was going to add more life to them. And that's what he did to me, to you, everyone in here. He added more years to your life because we could have been dead, but God had a plan, a perfect plan for our lives. We heard the gospel, and we knew we were lost. We needed a Savior, and we received him into our lives, into our hearts. And he changed us, and he's still changing us. He's still working in us. Verse 27, I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Wow. The fear of the Lord. 
I, re- I, you know, reading this, I remember looking back and then, you know, when I went to, uh, when I was in college in Penn State, they would, uh, you would use that word sometimes, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> they would say, you would say, you know what, I'm going to put the fear of the Lord in this guy, you know what I mean, you know, and, and right away that came to me, you know, and I'm like, wow, and because that meant something, you know, that really meant something. And here it really means something as well, the fear of the Lord, you know. And as we continue, we're going to see. And um, where am I at here? Verse 27, okay, the fear of the Lord. God was going to help Israel take possession of the land. God promised that he would go before them once again. God's terror, his fear, he would use to cause confusion. Fear can cause Post-traumatic stress disorder, a disorder uh, characterized by failure to recover after experiencing or witnessing a terrifying event. It can cause that terror. And you have that people go out to to war. They have that, what is it called, PST, post-traumatic syndrome, you know, because they've seen a lot of things, you know. And mess your minds up. You know, it does that. And, you know, you're never the same. You think you're the same. But other people notice. This guy lost a marble. He ain't all there. You know? And that's what it does. You know? It does that. And uh, I know by experience as well, too. You know? It can... It's very stressful. Remember when uh, Rahab hid the two spies... In Joshua 2, want to go there, Joshua? Joshua, when uh, Rahab, Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 down. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water and the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, uh, Shehan and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. The fear of the Lord. See, they, they heard all the things that God had did to Israelites and how he protected them and how what he delivered them from. And the fear of the Lord fell on them. You see? The terror of the Lord. And it doesn't get into details how the Lord of the terror with, with, their, with his enemies, but I can just imagine. I could imagine. And so, verses 29... Let's go back to Exodus, verse 29. 
Verse 28. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you. Verse 29. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Verse 30. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. God must drive the people out slowly because the Israelites, remember, they were a few in number. And few in number, enough to inhabit the land. If the Canaanites are driven out too quickly, the land will become desolate and overrun. That's what he was saying with wild animals. Little by little, they had to grow just like us. God made them wait. God was doing the work with them. He wasn't just going to give them the land right away. He wasn't going to desolate and kill, wipe out their enemies. You see? And just like us, we got, like I was saying, we got to wait upon the Lord. We got to wait. And wait. To wait for, to, to see if this is His will for our lives. Because He knows what's best for us or what we can handle and what we can't handle. And so, little by little, He said, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased. And you inherit the land. Because they were going to increase. And they did. They increased rapidly. You know. They, they just became huge. Huge. And it still hasn't stopped. God has truly blessed them. Verse 31. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea. These are the boundaries. From the Red Sea to the sea. Which means the Mediterranean. And from the desert to the river. And whenever you see the river in capital letters, he's speaking about the Euphrates River. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. The Euphrates River. And for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand. The Lord was doing all the work. He said, I, 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 I. I, I, I. So... I will deliver the habitats of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. And I will drive them out before you. Verse 32. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Verse 33. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a, shame, a snare to you. Verse 31. The river Euphrates, river, this was a, a huge portion of the land. One that Israel has never fully possessed. It is said that the closest they came was in the days of King David and Solomon. And you know Solomon. Solomon, he he was a player, right? With all these people who worship idols. And, and God told him, you know, not to mix, not to, you know, be with them. And um, he was very disobedient. God again, again warns the Israelites not to worship the gods of Canaan. Our de dependency should and always should be on God. That, and, and that they should not make friendship with idolaters. Keep away from bad company. Keep away from bad company. Other sins will be our snare. The snares. 
A snare is a trap that you would make for catching birds or animals with a noose of wire or a cord. You would sit there late and lay wait to catch it, trap it. You ever made one of them? Not with a cord, but with a rope. Pull it. That's a snare. It's a trap. And that's what they want to do. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to trap us. And so we got to be wise. We got to use wisdom in the things that we do. And that once again, they shall dwell in their land. At least they make you sin because that's what they want to do. That's what they'll do. You start rubbing against elbows against these people, you become like them. You forget. And that's what they try to do. They want to bring you down. They want to bring you down. They want to tear you up. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And God wants us to serve Him and only Him and worship Him. That's in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, where Paul writes to Romans. He tells them, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not hard. We make it hard. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart. You're speaking to the religious people because the works that they want to do were heavy and they were putting heavy, heavy yokes on people to do the same. Where Jesus said, let me do the work. Let God do the work in you and through you. Listen to his voice. He leads you. He directs you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we come before you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, Lord, and just for teaching me, Lord God, and as I go through your scriptures and and search your words, Lord God, they come alive, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the men here tonight, Lord. May you bless them, Lord. Give us traveling mercies as we go, Lord God, and Father, when we just meditate, Lord, on these words, your words, Lord, for they are life, Lord God. Father, pray for the women. You bless them too as well, Lord God. Once again, we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you would like prayer, if you have something, you know, you want to talk with me, let's get it on. Let's, let's do this.